What's up, gentlemen? Before we begin, a friendly reminder that this podcast is not associated with any church, school, or calling body, and nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official doctrine, teaching, or theology of any church, school, or calling body. We're a bunch of dudes who love Jesus. We love talking about Jesus, and this is where we air out our thoughts, so don't take it as much more than that. I hope that this is edifying for you. Let's get started with the show. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a canon, father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. Gentlemen, welcome to the Greta Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. This is the place where young men learn to be the men that God created us to be. First things first, <sighs> I love you all. Glad that you're here. Hope that we can continue to be a blessing to you. If we've been a huge, tremendous blessing to you, there's three things you need to know about. First of all, you can support the show by buying shirts or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation on the Gird Up website. Okay, Both of those things help us pay for the podcast and keep the podcast going the way it is right now. If you choose to do so, of course, I'll shout you out on the podcast as well. Thank you to those of you who have chosen to uh, make a contribution to the podcast effort already. You've been a blessing. You rock. I thank God for you. Second thing you need to know about is the fact that we are setting up a collegiate men's retreat this fall. We actually have dates now. It's going to be November 12th to the 14th at Camp Phillip. I know that means you're probably going to have to dip out of school a little bit early or miss a class or two on Friday. We're going to start in the afternoon on Friday. The bulk of it's going to be on Saturday, and we'll finish it up on Sunday. So if you if you have class late in the day on Friday, it doesn't exclude you. Um, we'll make sure that we can accommodate you, but it's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, November 12th through 14th at Camp Phillip. Um, up in Watoma, Wisconsin. So if that's something you want to be interested in, you want to be a part of, I'm going to get that uh, sign-up sheet up here. Let's say, let's say August. Let's say August 1st. Yeah, let's do that. August 1st. I'll make sure the sign-up is up there by August 1st, so you can register and uh, we can rock and roll from there. So. Fellas, it's going to be a really good time, but it's also going to be incredibly meaningful. You need to surround yourself with men. You need to make sure you're united with your purpose. And you need to make sure that that purpose aligns with God's will for your life. Um, it's a great place to develop that, develop friendships, and to. Uh, it's also going to be a ton of fun on top of it. So if you're interested in that, make sure you're signing up. We're going to get all that information to you as soon as the details are figured out. God bless you all. 
hope that we see you there. Uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is I am, I'm going to start taking on some coaching clients here. So I, I hate the term life coaching. I'm going to call it mentoring. Um, but I've had a bunch of people reaching out to me um, asking me to mentor them. Um, so we're going to do that. Uh, that's something that interests you. Reach out to me and we'll work out a deal. I think what I'm going to do is uh, create essentially almost like a mastermind group for Christian college-age kids. So um, you you could be a part of a small group or it could be one-on-one mentoring. I'm more than happy to help you out. The reality is, like, I've got men mentoring me. I'm, there are a couple men that I'm literally paying to mentor me uh, because it's valuable. It doesn't matter how good you are, you can still use a coach, right? Um, you think about the best athletes in the world. you got Michael Jordan, couldn't win without Phil Jackson, right? Tiger Woods, best golfer ever to walk the face of the earth, still had a golf coach. It doesn't matter who you are, you need a coach, okay? You need accountability. You need a mentor. Um, I can be that for you, okay? I can be a resource for you. So if that's something that piques your interest, we'll get some more information out there for you too. Uh, but contact me. Let me know. We'll work something out. And, uh, of course, guys, thank you to all of you who help out with the show. Um, all you guys who are involved, all you guys who keep us in your prayers, rock on. Let's keep doing the things that we're doing and, and pray that the Lord blesses it. Today I want to talk about um, burdens, man, and bondage and, and being free. I think, so here's, here's why this is something I'm talking about today. I, I was on the phone yesterday with somebody um, who is important to me, somebody special to me. Um, and they, uh, we were working on trying to get together, and we couldn't figure out a good time to get together because, um, you know, work schedules don't jive and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the person I'm talking to, uh, we, we finally figured out something that worked. It wasn't, like, super convenient, but it worked, right? And uh, I just commented – sorry, excuse me. I just commented basically, like, you know, I'm never going to be happy with this arrangement, but it's better than nothing. And uh, that person just looked at me and said – you're worth it. And it made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> it made me so uncomfortable. Like it, uh, I legitimately, like it got, I, got, I just got weird, man. Like I turned bright, beat red, got all embarrassed and got all weird. And uh, I, it, I don't like the way it made me feel. I don't like the way it made me feel at all. It felt, made me feel all, I don't know. And uh, what, what was going through my head, I guess, was like, whoa, I don't know about that. And, uh, dude, I, I hate the way it made me feel when somebody said you're worth it. It just something happened in my soul and I don't like what happened. Um, it, it was almost like a whole oh, man. If you, if you only knew, if you only knew, you really knew what was going on. You really knew, you know, the deep recesses of my heart. If you only really knew or even like, uh, well, you might change your mind on that. But I just completely dismissed it immediately, offhand. No, I'm not worth it, but we'll still get together, right? And I hate that. I hate it. And I'm tired of living that way. I, I ju- I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to live that way anymore. Because what, 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 when I react that way to something, and I know that this is not a me problem, right? This is an us as sinners problem, right? Um, and everybody's got stuff going on. Like, everybody's got stuff going on. Everybody's got things going on in their heart. Um, but we're led to believe, like, especially in our Christian, cons- really conservative circles, too. Like, people talk about worth and, and worthiness and value and all that, and we get all weird about it. We're like, no, not worthy. And no, I'm not. 
I'm not worthy. I've never been worthy. I've never been worthy. I never deserved anything except for death and hell and, and condemnation. And that's true. I have never been worthy. I've never been worthy of God's love. I've never been worthy of anybody else's love. I've never been worthy. Never been worthy of any of it. What I deserved was death and hell, and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. And Jesus knew that. He knew that I was going to go to, to death and hell. He knew I wasn't worth more than that. He knew that there was nothing I could do to change that. He knew I was just dead and gone and rotten. And so instead of letting me just fade away and be disgusting and rotten and die, he chose to take something dead and rotten and disgusting and breathe life into it. And not just like a little life so it could come up and struggle and survive for a while, but life in the full is what Christ says. That's what the Bible says is life in the full. So not even like a little bit of life, but like completely to life, back to the way it was meant to be and even better. Like back into the image of God, like reborn as a new creature the way it was supposed to be. That's the picture that gets painted in scripture. Jesus died, rose again, and sits on a judgment seat. And from that judgment seat, the ultimate judgment seat of all the universe, from that seat, my Savior who died for me, declares that I am righteous. He declares that I am righteous. In other words, he declares that I am worthy of full citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, that I am worthy to be reborn in the image of God like Adam was created and as Jesus is, that I am worthy of that. And it's not because of what I have done that I'm worthy of this, but the redemptive work of Christ. So when the Father looks at me, he doesn't see my sin anymore. He doesn't see my disgusting, rotten, pile, dung heap of sin. He doesn't see that anymore. When he looks at me, instead of seeing my disgusting sin, he sees the righteousness of my Savior who died for me. That's the redemptive work of Christ. So that instead of God the Father seeing my sin and condemning me, he looks upon me. He sees the blood of Jesus instead. He sees Jesus' righteousness instead, and he loves me according. So when the Father looks at me, he doesn't see my brokenness and sin. He looks at the perfection of Jesus instead. That's what he sees when he looks at me, and he loves me as the perfect Jesus instead of seeing me and condemning me because of the sin. So when I carry around a burden of guilt and shame and sin every single day, and I walk around and I'm just like bogged down by the guilt of all the crap that I've done in my life, what I'm really doing is looking up at Jesus and going like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, wasn't enough. Nope. Like, I know that you, Jesus, the one who suffered, who was born, lived a perfect life in my place, died in my place, suffered and was tortured and went through hell in my place. I know you did this great redemptive work, but I don't think it's big enough. I don't think it's enough. I'm pretty sure it's not enough, actually, because there's a bunch of sins that I've got that you can't deal with. That's what I'm saying when I decide to walk around um, with guilt and shame in my life and in my heart. And, and the devil's sneaky about it when he convinces us of these things. Like, he doesn't come out and tell us bold-faced lies. What he does is he sneaks these little thoughts into our minds. It comes from things people say to us sometimes, that, like images that we get. Just like he, he lies to us all the time, and there's a plethora of different ways he can lie to us. And we start to believe those lies. He gets really sneaky about it. And he says things like, oh, no, no, no you're, just a, you're just a fatty. That's just the way you are. Like, 
you can't be healthy. You've never been healthy. You're never going to be healthy. You might as well just stay fat because, like, yeah, you're saved. But this is – God doesn't do this. Like, he loves me the way I am. I'm just going to be fat. And we're just – like, this isn't – this isn't – this is something – this is not something Jesus deals with. Like, we're just going to – we're just going to deal with it. That's a lie. You really think it's too big for Jesus? Or another one, right? Like, nah, man. Like, you've watched way too much porn and, and and taken advantage of way too many women in order for you to be a good husband and a, like a, just you can't. So you might as well just bow out, bro. Like, there's there's no coming back from this. There's no working your way back. You have destroyed your ability to love a woman. You never will. You'll never do it right. So you might as well just check out. Like, just walk away. And don't hurt anybody. Just never let your heart be accessible. And if you never really love anybody, you can never really hurt him either. It's a lie. And yet we live this way. We're okay with that. It's not true. That sin is not bigger than Jesus' love for me. That sin is not bigger than Jesus' sacrifice. Right? He tells us other lies too, like punch out. Just punch out. You, like angry dads are not good dads you're not a good dad because you get angry at your kids so since you're a bad dad you might as well just punch out and let mom take care of it like show up to baseball games like don't ruin the kid's life don't walk out but just punch out let mom punch in let mom do the mom stuff and i'm just gonna kind of like i'll make sure there's food on the table we're gonna keep a safe distance not really gonna engage because every time I try and engage, it just comes back and I get mad and things go bad and the kids don't like me and I just start hurting people. So instead of hurting people over and over, I'm just gonna punch out and let mom do her thing. And to the world, yeah, you might look like a faithful dad, a faithful husband, and he's like, well, he's just a little inaccessible. But you know the truth. You are a slave to fear because you believe that Jesus' blood wasn't enough to cover that. You believe that you still got to carry that guilt because you didn't get set free from that when Jesus took your sin away. Like, yeah, I'm going to get salvation. My, my salvation's coming. It's going to be good. Like, I'm going to go I'm going to go to church. I'm going to make sure I'm squared away. But this is too big. God's glove doesn't cover that. Dude. 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 I, we believe this. We're okay with living this way. I I hate it. I'm not. I. It's not it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not living this way anymore, man. And and neither should you. Like, there's no reason you need to stay chained to these sins and to these bonds. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, you know, like I'm a little overweight. So what? I mean, my God has called me to steward my body. So steward your body. Well, I can't, I can't. Like, I don't have the discipline to do that. Like, I don't have any self-control. What are you talking about? Your Savior promises he's going to give you everything you need. That he's equipped you for a life of service to him. He's given you every ability to do what he has called you to do. So go do it. Take that sin, put the burden back on Jesus, and stop carrying it around. we got to understand what the devil's doing. Like when the devil starts putting the yoke back on us and, and convincing us to carry these burdens around, it's not just that I'm not living free on earth. 
right? And I, I know there's going to be people pushing back on this, but it's not just that I'm not living free on the earth, right? It's not just um, that my life isn't as full as it could be. If that was it, if that was all that was going on here, it wouldn't be a big deal. But what the devil is actively trying to do when he enslaves us to sin again, when he whispers those lies that, like, there's some sins that Jesus doesn't atone for, like, that, yes, they're washed away, but he's not, like, it's not, he's not powerful enough for radical change. Like, I'm not going to get past, like, this sin is just has a hold on me and will until I die, and so there's nothing I can do about it. That idea, like, I'm just going to stay fat forever. No, I'm just going to be a dick, and I'm, I, I'm just going to try not to hurt anybody. What the devil's doing is is convincing us that that's a burden Jesus can't take away. That's a burden I'm just going to have to carry. Jesus can't take that away. It's, it, it's too heavy for Jesus to carry, so I'm going to have to carry it. And what happens over time is I start to understand, whoa, like if this burden is too heavy for Jesus, then isn't that, what about that burden? That burden looks pretty heavy too, and that burden looks pretty heavy. And pretty soon my attitude changes from like, Lord, thank you for the work that you've done for me, and trusting that God's work is enough for me and I can't do anything else to add to it, so I just follow him. Instead of that attitude, now it's like, yo, Jesus, I appreciate the work you've done. Like, you've done good, my dog, but uh, you, you did great. But I'm going to put a little more on that, right? Like, I know you did good. I know you washed it all the way. You got me heaven and stuff. But I, this one's a big one, so I'm going to keep carrying this one because I'm not sure you can handle it. Would you really say that to your Savior? You, I would venture to say you probably wouldn't. But the way you're living your life, when you allow this to just be a burden that you carry around, instead of giving it to Jesus and letting him do the work, like, give it to your Savior and let him carry your burdens. Give your sin to Jesus and let him reform your heart and shape your mind. Instead of walking around burdened and saying, no, I got this one, Jesus. This one's too big for you. I, mm, I'm, I'm the big boy here. I, I'll carry this one. Instead of carrying it on your own shoulders, give it to your Savior and trust that he will do the work he has promised to do in your heart and in your life. Yes, we're going to be sinners. Yes, we're going to continue to sin. Those sins are going to keep pointing us back to our Heavenly Father, pointing us back to our Savior, and keep us on the path because we know where we're going and we know what awaits us. And we're going to, like, no, it's never going to be perfect. No, I'm never going to have a perfect body. I can always improve, right? No, I'm not going to have a perfect marriage. I can always improve. No, I'm not going to be a perfect dad. I can always improve. No, I'm going to be a master of my emotions, but I can always improve. And the more you improve, the closer you're going to be to the man God created you to be. The closer you are to the man God created you to be, the more good you can do and the better you can serve your Heavenly Father. He wants to use you to set other people free. But if you're not free, you can't set other people free. Because I believe that some of these burdens aren't big enough for Jesus, or are too big for Jesus, I guess. Because I believe that some of these burdens are too big for Jesus and he can't just remove them from my life and take them away. That he can't help me with these. I'm becoming a slave again because now it's all about me carrying a burden. Me being good enough. Me doing enough good in my lifetime to outbalance the wrong. And I know I can never do that. I can never work hard enough and be good enough for long enough to pay my debt of sin and get out of the hole. And when you're a slave, you can't give. When you're a slave, you can't help others be free. 
John 8, verse 36, Jesus declared that anyone who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that Greek word that he uses indeed there that we translate in English, that he will be free indeed, that verb means that it's done. That it was going, it was happening, and now it's completed. He is free indeed. You are free. It's done. You're not going back to not being free. You're not going back to being a slave. It has been completed. It's not like a work in progress. It is done. The work is done. You have been freed. Your debt has been paid. Um, the last word Jesus called out on the cross the night that he died was tetelestai, paid in full. It is finished. It's the word you would use if you're an accountant and somebody owed you a bunch of money. They paid all the money back and now they don't owe you any money anymore. Their account is closed. You write tetelestai because it's gone. That's what happened to my guilt and sin. Tetelestai. It's gone. So stop walking around with a burden and give it to your Savior. Jesus' death was big enough for every single one of the burdens that you carry. Jesus' death was big enough to cover up all the wrong that you've done. Your Savior doesn't see a white robe with a little bit of dirt around the hem. Your Savior doesn't see a sinner wearing a white robe. Your Savior sees the redemptive work of Christ, and he sees you, and he loves you the way that he created you in eternity as a Man in his own image. Because that's what he sees. And when I die and am born again in heaven, it will be that who he sees. And he lives outside of time. So already now, I'm a part of that kingdom. And while I am here, I will work hard to be that man. I will be the man that God created me to be so that I might be a light shining in the darkness and help other people be free. If you live in bondage and sin, it's because you don't believe that Jesus' redemptive work was enough to take all of your sin away. It's foolishness to believe that you can do all that wrong and that somebody's just going to pay the debt because we don't deserve it. So to the world, it's foolishness to believe that. But what's even more foolish is the idea that a perfect heavenly father would give his own son and not only give him to die to live and to die, to be humiliated to live and to die, but then also to walk through hell on our account. That's even more foolish. And you believe the God that lavished that kind of love on you doesn't give you enough love to get over the sin you got going on in your life and in your heart, the petty sins, the sins nobody knows about, the things you're struggling with. Get over it. Give it to your Savior. Take the sin, give it to your Savior, and let him do what he does. He will carry your burdens. He will do the work in your heart. He will set you free so you can be free indeed. In 2 Corinthians 12, um, Paul talks about how important the grace of Jesus was in his life. Now, Paul, by the time he's writing this letter, 2 Corinthians um, was not only a man after God's own heart, but he was the greatest of the apostles. He had traveled the world. He'd been shipwrecked, bitten by vipers. Like There's a whole chapter talking about all the hardships that Paul went through and all the great things he had done in the name of Jesus. And he says, in so many words, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there has given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul was so connected to Jesus 
Paul was so tied into the will of the Father. Paul was so tight with his God that God actually gave him a physical burden so that he would have an extra measure of humility and won't grow conceited about how close he is with God. He was that locked in and that tied into Jesus. God was using him that powerfully. But don't forget where Paul started. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was just about the wickedest man who ever walked the face of the earth. He might be tied in like a bajillion way tie for wicked, most wicked man. Like, but he's up there. You're talking about the stage of the Christian church, like where the Christian church was at at the time, and the amount of impact it would have had if he had been successful in his work in destroying the church. He stood there and approved when Stephen was stoned. He held the coats of those. He gave his blessing. Okay, And the Pharisees didn't cast stones. So when he's standing there, he's, he's, he's basically part of the process of killing Stephen. When, when the Lord appeared to Paul, he was on his way to go imprison and enslave Christians. He was on his way to Damascus to enslave Christians just because they believed in Jesus. And Paul did all this in the name of God. He was, he was so completely deceived by the devil that Paul was literally murdering, enslaving imprisoning and torturing Christians in the name of the Lord. And that's the man who God used. Not only did he use that man, not only did he use that man, but he made him the greatest of the apostles who wrote a significant portion of the New Testament, who was so tied into his heavenly father, who knew the father's will so well, whose heart was so in tune with his Lord, that God decided, you know what, we're going to make sure this guy doesn't get over, doesn't get, doesn't become conceited, and we're going to give him a thorn in the flesh. God used Paul, one of the worst men ever to walk, Saul, one of the worst men to ever walk the planet, to bring the gospel to not only the people of his time, but we're still reading his works today. And you think because you had a stupid night in high school and slept with a girl 10 years ago that you can't have a happy marriage now? You think that God can't take that away? You think he can't help you with that? You think that because you've been chubby since you were a little kid? You think that because you overeat and you really struggle to control yourself around food, you think that God can't use that? You think that God can't work in you and, and bring you health? You really think there isn't any hope? Here's what Paul said. To keep from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God doesn't give us license to keep sinning once we're done. Like, once he saves us, we're supposed to stop. And we're going to put in our utmost 
to make sure that happens. But he also doesn't ask us to carry those burdens anymore. His grace is sufficient for us and even more so. Sufficient doesn't even begin to talk about the love that he has lavished on us. An embarrassing amount of love. Like he washed my sins away. He took my burdens and then he just kept filling my cup. And that's the love that my Savior has for me. Not a love that picks up half the burdens and lets me carry the rest. Not a love that goes most of the way and then puts the rest on me. Not a love that saves me from eternal condemnation but then throws me to the wolves in this world and lets me stay a slave. Go be free, gentlemen. Put your burdens on Jesus. Invite him to come and do the work in your heart. I'm not doing an altar call here. I'm saying... Say a prayer that says, Lord, come into my heart and do the work you would like to do. One of my teachers used to call him the great Hoover vacuum. He's going to come in my heart, vacuum it all out, clean it up, leave it ready so that Jesus can come be the king of my heart. But Jesus ain't going to be the king of my heart if I'm still carrying the burdens. Let Jesus do his job. Let Jesus do what he died to do. He will do it. Go be free indeed, gentlemen. I love you all. If you're looking for uh, mentorship, looking for somebody to help guide you on the path of righteousness, looking for a friend who's going to help you walk with your Savior throughout college, help you stay on task, and kind of fulfill that potential you've got going on. If you feel like your life just isn't quite together and you need help with something like this, with dropping some of these burdens, hit me up, man. Let me know. We'll work something out. I can't wait to serve you. I can't wait to be a blessing in your life. God bless you all. Go be the men that God created you to be. We'll see you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we'll be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.